0: Ladies and gentlemen, if you will, look right here. From outer space to outer space, the number of UFO sightings in Canada is soaring tenfold over the past 25 years. Oh my God. Uh, the Pentagon declassifying three videos of what they're calling unexplained aerial phenomena. It's Two videos. Alien disclosure is coming. An ancient evil is about to be unleashed. On this episode of The Soul Trap, we interview Jeffrey Wingo, the author of Alien Antichrist The Terrifying Truth About UFOs, Aliens, and the Antichrist. It's me. I'm a god, you dumb creature. I will not be bullied by that. Here we go. We are glad to have you tuning in wherever, whenever this broadcast finds you. As we so often say, we trust that it finds you in good spirits. And uh, most importantly, on that good and narrow way, we're excited to have with us today, author, teacher, uh, exposer of truth, uh, Mr. Jeffrey Wingo, who has written what I think is one of the most important books. And I know that's a, a big statement to make. But I believe it's true. It's one of the most important books that a Christian can have called Alien Antichrist. Uh, The front page says alien disclosure is coming and ancient evil, and that's the key, is about to be unveiled. The terrifying truth about UFOs and alien antichrist and the end of days. You know, ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter number three, this know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Now, you don't have to have a degree in Greek or the ancient languages to understand how important that word perilous is. The word perilous in a dictionary means dangerous, hazardous, full of risk. And so I think it's very obvious when you look around the news, what we've seen happen with the coronavirus, what we see going on in Iran, what we see going on with China, North Korea and what we see happening in the skies and in the homes and in the minds of the people around us, we are indeed living in dangerous, hazardous, perilous times. And yet so many Christians seem to be locked in what I call the 1990s suburban Christianity. Uh, They still seem to be locked into their soccer games, uh, the ballet classes that they're taking the kids to, the small groups. In other words. The world is on the precipice of a coming catastrophe. And yet most Christians today, sadly, without being judgmental, yet being accurate, seem to just have their heads buried in the sand. There is a spiritual world. And when Paul warned us of of that in Ephesians chapter number six, he didn't warn us just to fill up a page with with verses. He warned us because he knew we were going to have to stand and face spiritual wickedness in high places. And so today, as we talk with author Jeffrey Wingo about alien antichrist, we are talking about one of the most important things that I believe Christians can be talking about here in the end times. Jeffrey, it's good to have you with us on the show. Thank you for taking the time to be with us. And we're excited to have you here with us today.
1: Well, Joel, thank you for having me. I do appreciate it. And I appreciate your interest in the book.
0: Yeah. Years ago, uh, several years ago, I had started and I I don't want to really just set the table and and introduce you to the people, but I I wanted to sort of set the table of how I came across. I can't even remember the book that I first read. I think it might have been a book on pyramids or something that was given to me. And because I kind of grew up where All this alien stuff was not real. I came from a very strict fundamentalist background, and there was no life on other planets, which I I still don't agree with that. But in other words, the whole alien thing was just silliness. It was sci-fi, leave it alone. I read a book, and then that book led me to another book. And one of the most important books that, that, that it led me to was a book called The Omega Conspiracy. And then there was another book, and I can't remember the other book that I read, but I remember distinctly, I believe they quoted you. And so I was looking in there, and I thought, Alien Antichrist, that's just worth reading right there. I mean, what a great title. I read it assuming it was going to be sort of one of those things where you read and go, oh, that's kind of interesting, and go on. And if you could see my copy here on video, just about every page is either dog-eared highlighted because what I found very, very quickly was that we're not talking about science fiction fantasy. We're talking about a scriptural reality. So introduce us, Jeffrey, to uh, a little bit about your background and how you made the jump from being a a Bible expositor, a Bible teacher, (laughs) you know, cornbread and buttermilk to all of a sudden writing a book called Alien Antichrist.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it is quite a jump, Joel. I will agree with you. Um, I was saved as a young boy, about seven or eight years old, at a Baptist church over in Johnstown, Ohio. And uh, while I haven't always walked with the Lord, I uh, uh, during those times, I realized that He took care of me. And uh, when I did come back uh, later on as a late teen and uh, give my life completely to Him, it seems like he has led me in some strange ways. And even as a young boy, I was interested in uh, uh, what we, you know, we would call UFOs, uh, aliens, that kind of thing. I was fascinated with outer space. I can remember watching uh, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin as they walked on the moon. And that just uh, piqued my interest in all things outer space. But as I got a little bit older, I got into some things that I probably should not have gotten into but it was the preserving power of God that kept me from those. One of those was in 1974, I got my first copy of uh, Eric von Doniken's book, uh, Chariots of the Gods. That was an introduction to what today everyone knows as the uh, the ancient alien theorist yes. and the ancient aliens that you see on the History Channel. Yes. Um, that book led me... Uh, to do more research even as a even as a teenager and uh, i did i did put it away after a while because actually it brought confusion mm-hmm. and we, mm-hmm. we know that when confusion is uh abounding that that's not of the lord but uh, as i got into searching out a little bit more what these things were it didn't take me long to realize that we're dealing with spiritual powers here mm-hmm. now I, I understand that in the uFO uh, the whole uFO issue, that there are, uh, uh, hoaxes and, uh, that kind of thing. And there's a giggle factor to it. Um, and that was actually built up during the 1960s, um, by, or actually beginning actually in the 1950s by mm-hmm. the United States air force through their projects that they had, um, during the 1960s, they had J. and Hynek who mm-hmm. was a scientist from uh, Ohio state university and later with Northwestern university. And, uh,
0: and he worked with the majestic twelve as as far uh, as when when Project Blue Book and things like that.
1: Uh, yeah, we're we're talking specifically right now about uh, the Project Blue Book. Mm-hmm. But he started out as a skeptic debunking these things, which is what the Air Force wanted him to do. Uh, it didn't take him but just a few years before he realized there's more to this than just uh, somebody mm-hmm. misidentifying something or hoaxes mm-hmm. that kind of thing. There were a significant significant uh, portion of reports. That um, caught his interest, and he became a believer and actually started the uh, a UFO study group in uh, Chicago years ago. Um, I, think he, I think he died in 1986, and that still continues on today. But it was studying these things that it didn't take me long to realize what we were dealing with. And the book that you talked about earlier, uh, Omega Conspiracy by I.D.E. Thomas, mm-hmm. I would encourage anybody to get that book. That's a good uh, introduction to this, yes. and it will real, help them realize um, uh, the spiritual reality of what we're dealing with. This is not a game. As a matter of fact, I believe that these things, UFOs and aliens, will play into end times. It's not the entire thing, right. um, as we know, but it does play into a significant portion of it. Um Okay, now
0: we're going to get into that. Go go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, if I could just relate one more thing that led me into this to study this a little bit more. Uh, In the mid-1980s, I ran into a couple uh, that I knew, and they told me about their UFO experience. The husband didn't want to talk about it, but the wife related to me the story. And the story occurred here in Ohio, where I'm at. I live near Columbus, Ohio. And uh, this couple was with another couple in a car and they were driving from Mount Vernon, Ohio to Johnstown, Ohio, and a, a craft appeared and tailed their car and actually hovered near their car several times mm-hmm. when they had to stop. And they were out in the country, and uh, the woman was actually terrified when she related this to me. Mm-hmm. And I, I asked her, I said, uh, "What?" I said, did you have any missing time or anything? She said, no. The whole time we were in the car. It didn't take us, uh, but just the usual travel time to to get home. But this thing appeared. It was out of nowhere. It stayed with us for about five or ten minutes, and then it just it left. Mm. And I said, "Well, what is your impression of it? What What do you think they 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 uh, what, what do you think it was?" She said, "Well, I think it was a flying saucer," is what she used. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Well, who, was did you see anybody who was piloting this thing?" She said, "No, but I can tell you what they are." And she said, "They're devils." Wow. And um, I, I said, uh, how do you know that? She's, she wouldn't tell me anymore. She said, uh, she said, I just know. Mm-hmm. And as it turns out, uh, that couple uh, turned out to be my mom and dad. Wow. And that was, that was my mother that I was talking with. Wow. Now, when, when I wrote the book, just a little bit more here. And, and when, when I wrote this book, she read my book. Uh, she, She just died here recently, actually a mm. few months ago at age 83. But six years, six years ago, when this book came out, she wanted a copy, and we got her a copy of it. And when I went to see her after she read this copy, she read it from cover to cover. She looked at me and said, you got it pegged exactly right. Yeah. She said, like I told you years ago, they're devils, and that's exactly what they are.
0: Okay, so we're going to jump into the book here in just a few minutes because I want all of our listeners and all of the followers on the Soul Trap, I, I, I want to just start the whole show by saying, if you don't have the Alien Antichrist book, you need it today, not not tomorrow, not a week from now. You need to go to Amazon, go wherever you can and, and get it right now. Read it with a discerning eye uh, and read it with an open heart. Um, Mr. Wingo, you said something that's interesting, and, and in a minute we're going to get into the nuts and bolts of the book and some of the actual th- the, the actual practical implications. But you said something twice. Your mother mentioned th- they're devils. You mentioned the spiritual aspect. And there is within the alien, when, when you go to like MUFON, uh, some of these places, there is within the alien, the UFO community, several branches And most of it seems to be in the sense of of, of a biological entity, a mechanical mechanism. But when you and I are talking, we're talking about a spiritual thing. Now, they may use the term dimensional, but still, we're talking about something spiritual. When you start reading early on, that's what you usually come across as the mechanical. These are aliens. This is whatever it is. How did you begin to piece together, wait a second, we're not talking about little green men from planet Reticulon here, we, we're talking about a spiritual reality, How, and, 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 and let me follow up with that. We're seeing that happen in the UFO community itself. They are now moving away from this is mechanical to hey, this is interuniversal, interdimensional, which I think is the only way that they can say spiritual without sounding religious. How did you get to that point where you said, hey, this is more spiritual than the mechanical?
1: Well, well, at first like everybody else, you start looking into it and thinking there's life on other planets and uh, so you're looking, Ah, uh, for information about nuts and bolts, uh, alien or fa- uh, flying saucers, actual craft, and then an actual physical being. Um, the problem is, and this for people who are not Christians that that don't understand the spiritual aspect of this. These things, uh, and and some of them do. They refer to them as interdimensionals, and they they believe that uh, they move between a uh, our dimension. And another dimension, uh, I think you would have researchers like Jacques, Jacques Vallée who would believe like that. Um, uh, I came to realize a long time ago that this thing is chameleon-like, and it can go from looking like a nuts and bolts craft to something like an orb of light.
0: That's a great we can, line, chameleon. It can, yeah,
1: It can break into multiple objects, come back into one object. I myself have seen them in the sky at night as they're performing these uh, spiritual, I call them spiritual acrobatics because that's exactly what they are. Mm -hmm. And it changes from a a metallic nuts and bolts thing to something that's spiritual Mm -hmm. while it retains its spiritual ability the entire time. Because as we know from um, all of the reports, these things are not subject to uh, normal physics Mm -hmm. um, that our craft are subject to here on Earth. But these things have the ability to change their appearance. Man. And I believe, and my theory is about the whole thing, is that they have the ability to manipulate uh, time, space, and matter.
0: Mm. Okay, so you, let's get into let's get into actual, you were talking about your theory. Let's get into the book. And, and really, I have in my notes here on, on page 21, what I think is really the, the thesis statement. That, that comes out where, where you say on page number t- 21, it is my belief and that of many other researchers that UFO and aliens are a spiritual construct resulting from the deceptive activity of falling angels. Um, you, you said um, a world of societies and cultures have matured technologically. The fallen angels have followed suit and adjusted their methods and appearance to foster a certain mythos or belief system that they deem useful. Now that right there we could talk about for two hours because that is profound. Let's take yeah. those two statements right there. the deceptive activity why would if this is spiritual, what is the what is the impetus for presenting themselves the way that they are today based upon that that thesis statement?
1: Well, to an ancient culture they they appear, as the gods that are pertinent to that ancient culture. And uh, in our culture, which is technologically advanced, uh, they appear to us to be uh, advanced beings. Uh, They run the gamut, of course, uh, from uh, what would be the typical looking alien gray to uh, exotic looking uh, what they call Nordics uh, that look just like human beings. And that just goes to prove, and of course, now a lot of people who believe that these things are real aliens will tell you that there are different species of alien. But the bottom line here in all of this is that they have the ability to manipulate their appearance, Mm -hmm. and they also have the ability to uh, manipulate the human mind to create and to construct uh, an illusion. Uh, As to who they are, I believe these things, and we can get into this later, are going to invade our planet. uh, According to the—if I read Revelation, the book of Revelation correctly, I believe they're going to invade. There's going to be three invasions Mm -hmm. that are going to occur. And what they're doing is taking the alien myth, and they are creating um, in the human mind an expectation. And today, people want these things. Mm -hmm. They think that these things are saviors. These things are going to be coming down to us. Every week on the History Channel, millions of people watch um, the ancient alien show, and they always say, what if, what if this, what if that? And what they're doing is they're setting up people to believe that uh, there are aliens, that these things came in uh, ancient times and were called gods, and that they're coming back.
0: Well, and, and the Pentagon just released their statement at, at, that, yeah, the tic-tac video uh, of the, the UFO in an unprecedented move. The, yes. the Pentagon said, yeah, we're releasing this. We don't know what it is. And that was huge for the Pentagon to do that. So you, you're exactly right. There's a there's a groundswell that's really picking up here.
1: Yes. And there was a bombshell that came out in uh, the New York Times in 19, uh, excuse me, in 2017. And it was an article that came out. It said the title of the article was Glowing Auras and Black Money, the Pentagon's Mysterious UFO Program. Mm. Like I said, this appeared in the New York Times on December 16th, 2017. Basically what this says is that uh, Senator Harry Reid got the Pentagon some funding to do an investigation of these things. And it was $22 million. And probably behind the scenes, there was a lot more money that was thrown at this. And uh, several years ago, or I think it was about a year ago, um, Tom DeLonge and his organization called To the Stars Academy released three videos of Navy aircraft uh, engaging with UFOs. And the Pentagon wouldn't uh, uh, confirm this one way or another. But just here, not too long ago, they came out just like you said, and they said that this is a these these three videos are authentic, um, and that the uh, Navy pilots really did engage these things. You mm-hmm. know, uh, during uh, World War II, uh, they referred to these uh, cr- craft as foo fighters. Foo fighters. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And what we're dealing with is the same exact phenomenon, and it should not surprise us mm-hmm. that uh, these uh, craft engage human aircraft because they're up there exactly where these beings dwell. Mm -hmm. Satan is called the prince of the power of the air. Mm -hmm. And that's where these things originate from, and that's where they dwell presently.
0: Now, it's interesting because one of the things that struck me about the title is Alien Antichrist. And in a sense, what you're doing is, is you're, you're connecting two things. And, yeah. you know, when you think about the uh, the description of Lucifer, when you think about the description of, of Satan as a cherub, I mean, he's not an angel. He is by constitution a cherub. And what's very interesting is is that description of him as stone, uh, and we see the same thing with the cherubs and Ezekiel. There is both a spiritual dimension, and yet there are physical, spatial realities of the wheel uh, of time-space continuum, and yet that spirit spirit in there. One of the things that comes out both in your book and in a lot of researchers is one of the things, that, and you mentioned uh, 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 Jacques Vallée, it's hard for the researcher to not, in an honest way, uh, assessment of the facts go, this is something odd because they do not obey the laws of physics and they don't obey the laws of of reason or rationale. There's an absurdity to it. And people that encounter these beings walk away with great confusion, uh, great inability of being able to to put that into our time space continuum. Is that something you were getting at with the title of of taking both something spiritual and something in in our physical world and going there is a, a mesh of these two?
1: Yeah, the uh, a lot of secular researchers don't understand obviously that they're dealing with a spiritual power here, and um, as you stated, these things are dangerous. Um, they manipulate people. They use spiritual power to manipulate people, and uh, they um, they actually uh, molest them sexually and disturb them. And a lot of lives have been destroyed because of these things. And the title of the book came about because. Um, And I know there's a lot of difference in the Christian community about Bible prophecy, Mm -hmm. but uh, to tie this in with the UFO, I believe that there is enough UFO information out there around the world right now that if Satan were to bring a a UFO and land this thing on the White House lawn and say, I'm I'm from this space in the universe, I'm Christ, I'm returning, I believe that the world would probably accept that. Oh, yeah. Um, if you ask most people, what do you first, what's the first thought in your mind when you think of the, the acronym UFO, the first thing that they will tell you is a, a, a spacecraft piloted by an alien being. Mm-hmm. And that's proof that the conditioning process um, is complete because yeah. people nowadays connect these things with UFOs. How many movies have come out with this stuff in there? Right and uh, and, and to, to actually to brainwash people that's exactly what it's for. Well,
0: you know, you and, said something and 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 we talked off air and and you know the the point of our discussion here is not and and even for those that are listening or watching, the point of this discussion is not a timeline of prophecy. Um, right. There are some that believe in in pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, no-trib, right. all that kind of. We're not into that. One thing we do agree on, it doesn't matter where, uh, let me say it like this, it doesn't matter when the event is going to happen, we can all agree that I think there is going to be a Genesis 6-like event. I don't know how you don't read Revelation, no matter how you structure it and not come, come away with that. So you said something that I want to touch on, Mr. Wingo, that I think is very profound. On page 66 of your book, um, as I was reading it, and this is something that really caught my attention. You said um, uh, many readers are perhaps dismissive of such commentaries explaining away ancient chroniclers by accusing them of ignorance or lacking insufficient understanding of current psychology and medical information. Now, for those of you that are listening or watching, one of the great things that is amazing is, is that what we're talking about here is not something that started in 1947 at Mount Rainier uh, with the flying saucer. This has gone back to antiquity. So he's addressing that. But here's the statement. You say, I would like to point out that many of the ancient accounts of demonic slash human interaction almost exactly match the reports we have of human-alien interaction in contemporary abduction reports. I wrote out in my notes beside there occult activity. Yeah. So, so that was something that, that I, I've said for a long time. And I'd really like you to spend a few minutes on this. There is the UFO, the I saw the lights in the sky. That's one reality. But a very frightening reality is the actual uh, third and fourth kind encounters and even fifth kind encounters yeah. of these beings uh, and how they're mi- mirroring demonic activity. Speak to that a little bit about that in your book. Yes,
1: this this is an ancient phenomenon, as you said. It began. The Bible addresses this in Genesis chapter six, or Genesis chapter six. Uh, Genesis six four is the sons of God took the daughters of men and created a uh, hybrid race of beings called Nephilim. Uh, these things ended up; uh, be, they were evil, um, and they destroyed the uh, uh, pre flood world, and they led human beings um, into all kinds of evil. Uh, There's a genetic program that they started at that time uh, to corrupt the human genome. And I believe that all goes back to the uh, first prophecy of the Messiah in Genesis 3.15, which states that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the seed of the serpent. Mm -hmm. And I believe that that is all rooted in that prophecy to prevent the coming of the seed of the woman. Um, When you you see, uh, you read the apostolic accounts in the Bible, that when Jesus died, that He led captivity captive, mm-hmm. and He went and preached under the spirits in prison. Um, at my, I believe that at that time He went to those beings that tried to corrupt the human genome and said, "You've lost." I'm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the woman I came to redeem humanity, and uh, that activity is still going on today in a different way. It goes on today through abduction mm-hmm. and just like it did then. It says when the sons of God took uh, the daughters of men, that word took actually means abduction. Mm -hmm. If you look into the uh, Hebrew meaning of that word, and that's what we're dealing with. They abducted people at that time and destroyed the world to prevent the coming of the seed of the woman. And now they're trying to corrupt the human genome uh, and to prevent the return of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, to planet Earth. So you're right. This is an ancient activity. And ancient chroniclers have written about this. Mm-hmm. And uh, In my book, I, I give testimony uh, of Augustine, and then there's an Italian, And uh, on page 64, an Italian priest mm-hmm. who, who talked about this. Uh, he was, uh, in the uh, 18th century, uh, Justin Martyr addressed uh, the fact that the sons of God corrupted the, the daughters of men, and Tertullian, and uh, several others. And, uh, who chronicled this? And uh, Josephus, mm-hmm. uh, even in his book uh, about the Jewish people, said that the bones of the giants, which which is, which came about because of the uh, the union of the sons of God and the daughters of men, the bones of the giants mm-hmm. were still visible in his day. And if you read yeah. the uh, biblical account uh, of the conquest of of the of the promised land, uh, Moses mm-hmm. encountered them. Og and uh, Kings Og and uh, uh, Cy- uh, uh, Sion, king of Bashan. These beings lived up north uh, of, of Israel near Mount Hermon. Which yes. was a legendary landing spot for these beings. That's not in the Bible. but well, uh, you,
0: Right. It's talking about Enoch and the Watchers. Yes. Right.
1: Right. And I, uh, the, the, the the danger in talking about Enoch is it's obviously it's not a canonical book, right. and I don't want, I don't want to draw any doctrine from there. But I do think it's 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 a, it's not a coincidence that if you look at a map of where all the giants were located, most of them were located near uh, south of Mount Hermon, mm-hmm. and uh, in the in the land they call them the Valley of the Giants. Actually, there was a Valley of the Giants south of Jerusalem, you know, which is many miles from Mount Hermon, right. but. Uh, um, the land of Bashan was the land of the giants. And that's where these beings dwelt. And uh, so that's, that's proof Bible proof that uh, that activity ha- occurred then. And uh, it's possible that it's occurring now. And it, and there, it's interesting to note that when people talk about their abduction experience, there's always a sexual aspect to it, mm-hmm. unfortunately, and it damages these people. And uh, uh, it is a, uh, Interesting fact that they are interested in uh, genetic material from humans. Mm -hmm. And I believe that uh, when the book of Revelation kicks in, when it's time for prophecy to be fulfilled, that we will see a full-blown genetic program Mm -hmm. uh, come about. Uh, Daniel talked about that in Daniel chapter 2. He said uh, that uh, they're talking about the ten kings at that time, that they would mix their seed with the seed of men. Mm -hmm a lot of researchers including myself have looked into that and um, the word when it talks about that talks about a braiding a braiding and a mixing and that's a the, the iron and play. the
0: clay the iron and the what clay we, yeah, yeah
1: what we see in genetic the, the double helix of the genetic structure mm-hmm. and you have the iron what I call the iron and clay kingdom mm-hmm. the iron of the fallen angels and the clay of the humans yes. and uh, there's a chapter in the book where I, where I talk about that that these two are going to come together, but Daniel said they would not cleave to one another. Okay, yes. And uh, that's where uh, you're going to have a, a full-blown program. I mean, you think about it this way. Um, as fallen human beings, we are uh, in a corrupt state. We're subject to sickness, disease, and death. Yeah, uh, Who wouldn't want to take on a little extra genetic material from uh, a, an, a, an alien being?
0: Yeah, and a- especially, and, and to interrupt you for just a second, but especially if we connect that with what's going on in current events, if yeah. if if we see if this is a test run, if this has been a beta test to see how the system works and and what can be accomplished, if you did have something that can't be seen, can't be can't be noticed except by way of a virus or something like that, I mean the world is primed. <laughs> I mean, if this yeah. thing was it was was a little bit more deadly. If it was a little bit more like the bubonic plague, if they've done this with the coronavirus, imagine what they would do if there was a problem, you know, at a genetic level that required mass, like you said, mass vaccination. And they're already talking about that already. So we're not talking about something, you know, it used to be that it was kind of, okay, yeah, and and they kind of pushed our kind off to the side. But we can see very clearly now how it doesn't take but a little push, a little nudge, and all of a sudden – you know, everybody would be standing in the door. Yeah, I mean, we we actually saw you know National Guard stations where people could drive up to be tested if they had this "quote unquote" coronavirus. So we're, we're not that far off from from what you're talking about in the possibility. Let me jump to let me jump to something here on uh, page one seventy of your book, and I'm going to take you down a road that. Uh, I found very fascinating and you're, you're in the soul trap crowd now, so you can go anywhere you want and you're okay. on safe grounds. So uh, the, the the more, the merrier for us. So you, you talk about, and there's too much really for me to read here, but um, in the second paragraph on page 170, you said, this seems to imply that there is a class of angels called the chariots of God. Now, let me, let me set the tone for our, for our listeners and our crowd, at the soul trap, however it is translated in the King James, that's what we 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 go with. That that's what we believe. However, that does not mean that we aren't able to look back and say this this Hebrew word is here and there and there. We're, we're not saying that. We're just saying if God chose in English to put angel or, or you know widget or whatever it is that's what we're going with. So I want to set that tone because I don't want somebody to hear you and go, oh, you know, and and discount. I think it's important to hear what you're getting at in this chapter. And I know I'm, I'm getting you to go out on thin ice, but if I understood the ramifications of what you're saying, and I hold that here, and then I look at what we're seeing in the UFO. And then Mr. Wingo, I look at, Artificial intelligence, AI, and its explosion on the world market with sex robots and the internet becoming sentient down the road and things like Skynet and Terminator. If I piece these ramifications together, we could be living in a matrix-like world that we just are not prepared for.
1: Yeah, that, that's correct. Uh, Joel, uh, let, me, let me stay at the outset that I defer. I, I do look at Hebrew words and uh, I read commentaries and things. But I do defer to the authority of the King James Bible. Um, I believe that the men who translated the King James knew exactly what they were doing and they used the exact words uh, so that we could understand what God was talking about right and um, so when it talks about the chariots of God and the verse is actually in 68:17 and I know this this gets me in trouble with a lot of people because they they can't understand they have what it is they have a vision in their mind. How they think that things played out in the Bible,
0: mm-hmm. and then the that's Bible a actually, thats a great statement. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. They do, and then when you when you bring up a Bible verse to break, and it breaks that illusion, uh, they, they have a tendency to get angry with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but all I can say is, let's just read what the Bible says, and just take it for what it says. And it, we're not going to we're not going to spiritualize it. We're not going to we're not going to change it. We're just going to say, this is what it says. And the implications for this today, um, I have to say, after looking at this and uh, after looking at this phenomenon for about thirty years, that this is uh, this is astounding, actually. Mm-hmm. So, the, if if some of your listeners get their Bible out, they look in, and they, and they will need to read the King James because that's where these words are. Yes, and that is in Psalm sixty-eight seventeen, and it says the chariots of God are twenty thousand, even thousands of angels. And the Lord is among them, as in Sinai, in the holy place. There are other verses in the Bible that talk about this, and Ezekiel obviously talked about this as well. God has a class of angels uh, called chariots. Mm-hmm. And we see one of the, the, the greatest example that we can see in the Bible is in 2 Kings chapter 2, when Ezekiel um, was caught up by a, a chariot of uh, fire and horses of fire. And uh I have that I have that verse here, but I don't want to read the whole thing. But um the other example that we have is when Elisha was uh surrounded, he and his servant was surrounded by the armies of the king of Syria. Mm -hmm. Yes, the servant came to Elisha, which is in second kings chapter six. The servant came to Elisha and said, Uh, Master. You know, the armies of uh, the—I'm just paraphrasing here—the armies of the Syrian army are out there. The mountain is full of horses and chariots. Uh, He's come against us with his army. And Elisha, as the prophet of God, he didn't need to see because he knew by faith. As the Bible says, we walk by faith and not by sight. But at this point, he asked the Lord to enhance the eyesight of his servant so that he could see. And when God opened his eyes, he could see that the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire. Mm-hmm. Roundabout about Elisha.
0: So let me interrupt you for just a second because, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but when I read this, this was the one I can remember reading it. I looked at my Bible and I can remember taking the book and just kind of setting it down and doing this number like this going, wait a second, wait a second. Because when I cross-reference and I was just double-checking my notes, when you cross-reference over there to 2 Kings, it doesn't say... Uh, And I'm looking at it. Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And and here's how we read it. Here's I'm going to read it the way we read it, like you were saying. Mm -hmm. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire and riders in them round about Elisha. That's not Mm -hmm. what it says. It simply says the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire. Right. It doesn't say anything right. about there being beings riding in in them. And it would be very interesting to cross-reference where those terms chariots come up later on in there. And 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 if what you're saying is is if we're looking at the Bible, then that has to somehow maybe cross over into the the anti-spiritual world that says maybe these machines that we're seeing or these these half-dimensional, half mechanical machines, maybe they are indeed spiritual machinery. Yes. Are, we, are we tracking down the right way then? Yeah,
1: yes, you are tracking down the right way. The, um, the fallen angels operate in the exact same manner as the unfallen. Okay, so if you have an unfallen chariot of God that operates in a certain manner, you're going to have a counterpart in that of a fallen chariot, and that's what we see uh, in the UFO phenomenon. That's what I believe we see in the UFO phenomenon. We'll, we'll, I want to read another verse here that actually corresponds with this, that actually it, it, it just, it almost blows the mind when you think about it. When we, th- when we talk about UFO activity, they have the ability to just instantly appear in our time, space, continuum. They have the ability to just bleed right through, if I could use that term. And then they have the ability to disappear. And um, they operate in the same fashion. And Ezekiel, uh, talked about uh, these beings and there there may be a difference in them some of them uh, may be a little bit different but he talked about the wheels and these things often in the sky appear as a uh, as a wheel mm-hmm. and they appear sometimes as a globe of light and so when we talk about the chariots of god we've got to let the bible speak for what it says like you said it didn't say riders it just said horses of fire and chariots of fire in mm-hmm. uh Psalm 1043 it says, who layeth the beams of his chambers in the waters? who maketh and it's talking about God here, who maketh the clouds his chariot? who walketh upon the wings of the wind? Yes. Now now when you think about it, um, I read in Ezek or in Exodus last night as I was thinking about this program and uh, in the Exodus accounts when God came down, on uh, Sinai, he came down as a uh, as a blazing fire, mm. and, uh, and the, the, the mountain was full of clouds. Mm. And as it says right here in Psalm 68, the Lord was among them even as in Sinai. And I guess the question comes to me is, does that mean that these chariot angels were at Sinai when the Lord came down? Mm-hmm. And that's very possible yes. because he came down with clouds. He came down with darkness. He came down with a blazing fire. Ezekiel even talks about that fire as a rolling fire. Yes. And yes. When these things manifest in our time and space, we probably don't understand exactly what happens to the material world when you have a spiritual reality descend into it, um, the disruption of matter. Is probably very incredible.
0: Well, let me give you yeah. a cross reference. When I was rereading this chapter last night, let me give you a cross reference to Revelation chapter nine, verse nine. Yeah, yeah. So the, the the beasts that the 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 shape of the locusts that come out of the pit, Revelation nine, uh, it says in verse seven, they were prepared like horses prepared unto battle. On their heads were crowns like gold, faces of a men, hair of women, and get this, in Revelation nine nine. They had breastplates, as it were, breastplates of, here's the word, iron, Daniel chapter 2. And then the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots, mm-hmm. of many horses running to battle. So you can't, I mean, I don't know how you can cut it any other way. And and when you start looking at that, you think, you know what, Jacques Vallée in his book, Messengers of Deception... Yeah. Which he said that when they encounter, when people encounter real UFOs, it is psychologically traumatic to them. And in a sense, you get into that in several areas that this people that really encounter, we're not talking about the space program or, or skunk works program. I mean, they really encounter something dimensional. It shatters them. And I think one of the reasons why is because they are encountering something profoundly spiritual and profoundly evil. Yeah. Would, would you agree with that?
1: Yes, I, I would agree wholeheartedly with that. Um, even in the Bible, when angels appeared to people, uh, the first thing that they usually say was, fear not. And that's because you're dealing with a spiritual power. And we are not, we are not, we don't really have the ability to understand it. We don't have the ability to actually even cope with it. And that's why our eyes are not open to see these things. Um, I think that as a, as a Christian walking uh, with the Lord for many years, We all know the reality of the spiritual war that we fight with the world and the flesh and the devil. And uh, when you're in a a warfare with a fallen spiritual being, it's fearful. That's the first thing that you sense is fear. (laughs) Fear.
0: covering a lot of in-depth material. Make sure to check out part two of our interview with author Jeffrey Wingo and the Alien Antichrist as we delve into how this disclosure is actually going to play out on the human stage.